is a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage, and he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. Green looking to the front court. Here's LeBron. James, catch off. Fire. Ball game. He did it. LeBron James wins it for Cleveland. Center field. Can he do it? Back it goes, and that ball is gone! It's out of here! There's a walk-off grand slam, and the Orioles win it! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sports Talk Airline Podcast. I'm your host, Jonah Airline, and on today's podcast, I have a special guest joining me via Skype, Ken McCusick. Ken is the author of FilmStudyBalmore.com. He's also a regular contributor to Baltimore Sports Talk Station, 105.7 The Fan, and he also tweets at Film Study Ravens. Ken is an expert in football film study, and his website is loaded with detailed video analysis, excellent blog posts, and entertaining podcasts. He discusses and writes about topics on specific Ravens players, the recent draft, offense versus defensive stats, and the upcoming NFL schedule. Ken is very detailed in his analysis and gives thoughtful opinions on his topics. Again, his website is filmstudybalmer.com, and you should follow him on Twitter, at filmstudyravens. Now, Ken and I spoke for a few minutes before I started this podcast, so we've already said hello to each other and talked for about two minutes. So with that said, we will dive right into the interview. So, like I said, I want to get into the sports communications business in, when I'm older. And my first, um, my first question is, like, how did you start, how did you get into this business, and when did you know this is what you wanted to do? All right, well, uh, I went to school to be a broadcaster at Syracuse. My, my goal was to do baseball play-by-play when I was young, so I really wanted to do that as a job and Kind of was an ideal school to go to, so got my wish there. Um, unfortunately, you know, went through school, did some play-by-play, but was definitely not in the league of the really good play-by-play guys that were, that were coming out of Syracuse at the time, which included Dan Ford, who's the voice of the Bengals right now. Uh, I, I got a the one big thing I did in terms of an interview was to get an opportunity to interview with Bob Costas for his assistance job. Uh, just as I was leaving school. And so the big time, Casas was even a bigger star than he is now. And it was really cool to be included for that. But, uh, uh, you know, we, we, I put on my on my uh, resume that I like sabermetrics and was interested in that. And he wanted to talk to me, I think, for that reason. So we had a nice chat about sabermetrics, 20, 30 minutes. But, uh, you know, I didn't get a job, obviously. He gave it to a, uh, a kid who was from New York, which is where the, where the thing was going to be. But it was good. It was a great opportunity. And I really realized that, that the other guys who were in school at the same time, uh, you know, were just a lot better at this than I was in terms of being able to call a game. So uh, I went on and got a math degree, became an actuary. Always good to have a backup plan, by the way, when you're in uh, a field like sports broadcasting, a very, very uh, competitive field and one where even if you make it almost to the top, you won't make a lot of money. So always good to have a good backup plan. That was one of my thoughts was I didn't want to end up being a sports director at a country music station when I was 50 
And instead, I, uh, you know, I had this opportunity to become an actuary, and uh, I, I continued on, got my degree, and did that instead. So uh, uh, that's the way it worked out for me. Yeah. So what when because you wanted you ended up doing this what you do now and with your podcast your website with all your articles is this how you thought um when you thought to be in this business how you thought it was going to go no because i mean i wanted to do it right out of school and so instead i waited about 27 28 years and i said okay i, I enjoyed being an actuary and, I, and you know the career was good to me in that in that respect and then i had the the wherewithal to decide i want to do something as a second career and so I, that's how i was able to just decide for myself to go out and uh and, and do this at that point but I, I definitely i didn't go through the front door i went through the back door on my own terms yeah so my first question about football uh, when you look at film, when you're going over film, what do you look at first? Like, what is the first thing you notice in a certain player? That, that would be a different. I'm not even sure I could tell you how my brain is is operating in that way. But I will say, you, what you really have to ask yourself when you're watching film is, what can I add that already isn't being counted by somebody else or being evaluated by somebody else? So you have. What goes on in the game? What's normally in the box score? You know, yardage, tackles, things like that. That's all there, so you don't you don't have to do that again. The time of plays, it's all out there in the game book. You're aware of that on on uh, NFL GSIS. but but you can uh, you can otherwise try and use those those common sources as a framework that allows you to kind of build a score sheet of what you want to count and layer in that's different. So one of the things I have is who's on the field for every play defensively. And then what's what? What did the pass rush look like? What characteristics did that have? Uh, you know, things like that to to kind of describe a game differently than than other people can. Uh. Now, one question specifically with the Ravens and their the draft. Mm-hmm. They had a couple of players, in my opinion, and when I looked at others that like fell down the board. They had like hype up for like the first round, like or early second round, like Malik Harrison. Okay. Why do you think like players like Harrison fell this year? Does it have to do with their film or just how this whole process has been this year? I mean, there are questions about Harrison in terms of whether he had the quickness to play uh, inside linebacker, whether he had, uh, uh, you know, some of the ability and coverage that goes with the position. He's a little bit slower. He's a 467 or 466 guy, I think, in the 40. Uh, so it's a, it's a that were the, those are the questions that went with him. He's a very close comp for the ex-Raven Jamie Sharper in terms of size and in terms of speed, and he's got more actual lateral quickness. I think Mike Harrison could be could be very good, but uh, I, I don't think a lot of people had a first round grade on him for sure. There were people who who thought he might go in the second round. The guy who was surprisingly high to me was the uh, Jordan Brooks going at twenty seven. He was a guy that was right in front of the Ravens pick. It's the same position. It was just an oddball pick. I thought Jordan Brooks might last till the third round and would have been a great consolation prize for the Ravens to get in terms of getting a two-down, run-stopping inside linebacker, and he was probably the best in this class, uh, to be a part of a platoon, as I would call it. You know, one where uh, you, know, you have a, a – um, a two-down player, then you have a, a, a quarter that you would put in to replace him on third down or a dime back. Yeah. Do you think Brooks's run ability intrigued 
the Seahawks more th- with Brooks than Queen did? I, I couldn't tell you exactly why they took Brooks over Queen because their own fans are throwing their hands up in the air about it. I mean, you, the Seahawks would have to explain directly why they like Brooks better than Queen. I'm sure they're going to get asked that question a lot over mm-hmm. the next few years, particularly if Queen is the better player. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the what the real reason was. Maybe they did decide they wanted a two-down thumper more and they thought Queen was a little undersized for the position because otherwise I can't really see a reason why they take one over the other. Mm-hmm. But Brooks over Queen. Um, another question about the Ravens. Out of all the Ravens' picks, they have many this year. Who do you think will be the best, like long-term Raven? Like when this is all said and done, who do you think will be the best out of this class? All right. Well, they they put most of their money, most of their draft capital went into Queen. So if it's not him, it's a bad draft, kind of right off the bat in terms of like you know mistake there. Now a couple of years ago, you know Lamar Jackson is already clearly jumping to the front of that draft class and. Hayden Hurst wasn't, but they got some value out of Hayden Hurst too. Um, I, I think he's the he's the still the odds-on favorite to be it. If it wasn't him, I mean, I like several of them uh, as value picks relative to how much draft capital they spent. I like Matabike. I like um, uh, Stone. I'm not really that crazy about either offensive lineman, either Bredesen or Tyree Phillips. Um, I, I like both wide receivers a little bit. Uh, Harrison be a good bet. Uh, he, he's good. But I, I think you know, Stone, in terms of the relative value of how much they put into him, would probably be the, the likely highest return because they, they, they spent almost nothing on him with a seventh-round pick involved. Mm-hmm. But if it's not Queen, in terms of who's the best player out of that group, it's a bad draft for the Ravens. Yeah, I think, and especially with the middle linebacker need before the draft, Queen has to be able to produce. I, I don't like on your podcast, you said he might not have the best rookie season. Mm-hmm. It might take him some time, but I like I agree. I definitely agree with that. I think given that he's going to have a lot of eyes on him, probably being the number one middle linebacker right away. Yeah, I, I would. If they, I mean, they can't not play him, the position's barren, so they really have to stick him on the field. They probably will play just about every play as a rookie. If they don't give him the green dot, which is a big key meaning uh, the signal calling responsibilities thing he doesn't have to be on the field for every play, so they at least maintain that flexibility. So that's something where Chuck Clark has it now. I don't see any reason to change it. Let Queen play without the green dot, see if he can acclimate, learn the defense. And at some point in the future, they may decide, well, we want him on the field for three downs, so we may as well have him have it anyway. Mm-hmm. When l- looking at film and looking at the players that are even drafted this year, who do you think is the biggest project? In, and when you're looking at their film, who do you think has the most to improve on? Well, the two guys who I think are going to have the hardest time converting their game to the NFL level are Bredesen and, and Phillips, the, the offensive lineman. Phillips is extremely slow-footed and really is not suited to play tackle, where he played left tackle at Mississippi State. He's really not suited to do that at the NFL level. The Ravens already turned, uh, you know, been talking about putting him at guard and he's got extremely long arms does a very good job of immediately going for the armpit of the opposing lineman which is which is very good you 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 lock into that spot you're allowed to hold inside the frame of the player and what that also allows a, a, a big lineman to do is to torque or turn that player in the direction they they prefer to 
So in his case, um, he, he might be a very good right guard to open the front door of, of most right-handed pulling plays. In Bredesen's case, I think the problem is that he's very short-armed, and he's going to he's going to face a degree of difficulty he's never seen before in terms of trying to get to the body of opposing players with who are longer NFL defensive tackles, and he'll have a lot of trouble with that. He'll have trouble even with linebackers, frankly, because he's in the first percentile of arm length among um, offensive linemen. So would that mean he has like the shortest arms for the offensive That's linemen in the draft? That's right. Is is some of the shortest arms ever. His his arms. I talked a lot last year about Patrick McCar- McCarry having short arms and playing center and have a lot of difficulty. His are a half inch shorter. Those are even shorter. Wow. A lot. He's gonna have a lot of work to do right away. He's got, he's both he and McCarry have to make up for their deficiencies in certain ways. So they have to they have to work harder with their um, arms to be physical to to you know, to swipe and bat the opponent. And that's effort that, you know, a, a longer arm player can just go directly to the, to the armpit. As like I mentioned, Tyree Phillips doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have like three more questions. Is that okay? Sure. Go ahead. You have you on one of your podcast episodes, you have a episode about JK Dobbins. I thought it was an interesting pick given the Ravens have Ingram and Edwards and Justice Hill. Do you th- how do you think his how do you think he'll fit into the offense this year? Well, okay, so it was a lot to spend in terms of draft capital, and that's the way I felt about all three of those picks, the inside linebacker and running back picks, where it was a very high percentage of the total draft capital, over sixty percent. And with a team with so many leads like the Ravens to take players like that who are, are uh, you know, I think there was an agreement that they needed an inside linebacker, but there's also, you know, a tremendous success that you could point to in platooning at that position with street level players. So they could have gotten Willie Harrison, say only spent, you know, a fifth as much in terms of total draft capital as they ended up doing or maybe less. And then that would have been a, you know, a cheaper way to address that, that position. But they anyway, they made all these all these acquisitions with with Dobbins. What I'll say is whenever the Ravens have drafted a running back or drafted, in, in fact, any player who's opposite to the need that is obvious, the Ravens usually know they've gotten a tremendous value at that position. So at 55, they think they've got a player who's a lot better mm-hmm. than what they would typically get at that spot. I expect Dobbins to be the, the bell cow pretty quickly, the most important back of the group. Um, they've got him for four years. I don't think he'll be signed to a second contract. I'd say that you know, right up front is that the Ravens are not known for signing a lot of second contracts for running backs. So they'll probably just let him walk at that point. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. And, and uh, you know, the only thing I'd say is the Ravens have filled that position very inexpensively the last few years. And this is a little surprise going in a different direction. Yeah, definitely. Do you... Before the draft and the pre-draft process, were there any players – the Ravens definitely had needs at middle linebacker and edge rusher. Were there any players that the Ravens didn't end up that you think will um, be really good and pan down in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of players like that. But, but the, uh, the guys that I thought were a great positional need, had the chance to be available – and would have been good selections. The number one guy on my board at the time the Ravens drafted was uh, Xavier McKinney of Alabama, the safety. So the Ravens are, are very short on back-end ability at free safety. They have Thomas, 
who's a good player, rushed the passer more than he has ever has last year, and is really not the quality center fielder he was when he was at Seattle. He doesn't have the speed for it anymore. He still has good instincts. Quarterbacks still fear throwing the ball in his area. That's good, but it's not enough all by itself. They really need to get another young, fast back-end guy, and McKinney would have been the best available in this draft. So he was available. He didn't get taken until number 36, in fact. I wouldn't have been at all upset if they just said, um, you know, we wanted McKinney instead of Queen. Yeah, I think McKinney definitely has a lot of upside. And then final question, given everyone who is on the roster now, who do you, when you're looking at film, who do you think of the current Ravens has the most upside and will be a big-time contributor this season that fans don't know that much about? That fans don't know that much about. Fans know a lot about the current players. Um, that's that's really hard to say. Of of the players that, that they don't know that much about, maybe you know, people know. Do people not know Deshaun Elliott? I think they do because this is his third year now with the team. But he could he could have a fairly significant snap count, play on the back end at, at safety in dime packages. So that's a player. Um, if you want, you know, an offensive lineman who I think could be good. I think that, um, it could be surprising if Bozeman moves to center that, that, uh, you know, that would surprise some people in terms of that really working out. Uh, it could be, could be Ben Powers playing at right guard this year. Cause I don't think DJ Fluker has necessarily won that job just because he was signed. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a few people there that I think, uh, you know, you get a surprising upside play from. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank thank you for doing this. No problem. I'll I'll make sure to talk about your podcast and plug it in my podcast. Okay, very good. And I'll, if you if you post it and you tag me on Twitter, I'll I'll say thanks for having me on, kind of thing. All right, thank you. All right, take it easy. You too. And that was the interview of Ken McCusick. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Film Study Ravens. I'll be back after this short break. And we are back. Now, please follow Ken on Twitter at Film Study Ravens and check out his website, filmstudybalmer.com. So, thank you guys, and I'll be back soon. I'm Jonah Aylwine your host of the Sports Talk Online podcast.